Welcome back to our second class of our concentration series. I'm feeling somewhat happy to be with you and that some of you came back. It's very nice. I didn't know what to expect. Our capacity to get concentrated is meant to be a happy capacity. Sometimes in distinguishing the path of concentration from the path of mindfulness or vipassana, mindfulness is called the dry path and concentration is called the wet path. Mindfulness is dry because it doesn't have the joy and the happiness of concentration as its partners comes along with it. And um, whereas concentration is wet in that it's saturated with experiences of joy, happiness, well-being, sometimes uh, rapture, ecstasy can be quite strong. And so uh, we're talking about developing a capacity that involves happiness and well-being. It's both uh, the result of concentration practice, and at least te- temporary happiness while you're concentrated, but also um, it's the foundation for concentration practice. One of the conditions for getting concent- concentrated, one of the aids or supports, is uh, feeling happy. And uh, some people feel that's a little bit of uh, has it uh, uh, backwards because the reason that we're wanting to meditate is to get happy because we're so unhappy. So then you're told you have to be happy first to get concentrated. Uh, don't worry about it. But uh, as you do the practice, there's the purification forces, there's forces of change that happen, and the sense of well-being will come. Every human being has the capacity for concentration. And what we're doing in this Buddhist practice of, of, uh, of practice is taking and developing a very common human capacity. And Buddhists find it very useful to do that, and it's beneficial for the Buddhist path. Many people are interested in concentration because it helps them in their daily lives. Uh, usually we notice the, the absence of concentration is a source of um, you know, difficulty in our lives of some sort or other. Um, Some people who have a scattered life, scattered minds in daily life, uh, need to look at their life and see if their life isn't too fragmented in order for the mind to get settled enough or concentrated. And to add concentration meditation on top of a very fragmented life is maybe just makes things worse. Uh, you, you know, just sometimes doing one more Dharma activity is undharmic because it's just you're filling up with more and more activities and even though it's supposed to be good for you if you just do too much it's not healthy um, so um, anyway concentration practice is a path of uh, it involves happiness and well-being and, and it's, it's nice for me to kind of be reminded of that and sit here with you and think about that as what we're kind of addressing and looking at here one of the descriptions of the joy or the happiness of concentration is that it's a happiness which is very different from many places, many of the ways people normally uh, get happy or associate with happiness or what they seek for in order to get happy. So, for example, um, the happiness of concentration practice is said not to be the same happiness as happiness of sensual pleasures. So, getting a massage or eating good food or, you know, all the things that can be sensual pleasures. Sometimes uh, scientists I know, thinkers have great, wonderful ideas, and part of uh, of just the the, the the attraction for that for them is the joy, the delight they feel in the mind, the kind of sensual pleasure that comes from 
uh, seeing or figuring out or negotiating these wonderful ideas. And sometimes it involves mental kind of sensual pleasure. So the, the pleasure of concentration is not meant to be, not, doesn't come out of sensual pleasure. The senses are not being stimulated, in other words, by something external that makes us happy. It's also not um, the happiness of ego, in the sense that you know our, our ego, our sense of self, isn't being pumped up in some way or praised or validated in some way that makes us happy. Um, the, the happiness of concentration is a happiness that, in a sense, arises. Um, some people say it rises for n- uh, with no cause at all. It doesn't, in a sense, normal causes. Nothing, nothing external, no good events or good situations have stimulated but rather it's a product of concentration itself. It's a product of the mind itself, settled on itself. As the mind gets quieter, more relaxed, and settled on itself, composed on itself, it, it seems to generate uh, sense of feelings of well-being, of happiness, and, and uh, joy. And that sense of uh, cap- having a capacity for happiness, which is independent of what happens in the world around us, independent of things we normally seek for to get out of happiness, is very educational for the mind. And so concentration practice is, off, is uh, described as a re-education of the mind, where the mind breaks its habit, sometimes its addiction, of looking externally outside of itself for happiness as a, as a reliable happiness, is the only place we know that happiness is available. And if we only think that happiness is available externally by things in the world kind of organize themselves in a certain way or from sensual pleasure, then um, uh, you're at the kind of whims of the world and the changes of the world, and, and that's quite fragile at times. But if you have some sense of a happiness that can be born from inside, that in a sense kind of is, in a sense natural or kind of inherent or just arises kind of from the deep uh, integration of the mind that concentration does, then um, a person doesn't feel so much at the whims or at the mercy of uh, the all the different forces of the world they, as they go up and down. Um, So in, in talking about happiness as being an element of concentration practice or a sense of well-being or joy, um, I say that now at the beginning so to remind you that um, in order to become happy or feel, feel a sense of well-being, you can't be grim. <laughs> and I've known some people who try to get concentrated by being grim. <laughs> you know, oh, you know they, they take it really seriously, you know, and they get their concentration practice so serious, you know, this is so important. And, and sometimes they judge other people, or you know, someone comes into the, in, you know, someone comes in and it's really noisy. Sitting down next to them, they get so upset. You know, how could you disturb my samadhi? And this is, you know, and they're just so, you know, wrapped in themselves and wrapped in, you know, the grimness of their endeavors. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to develop a healthy sense of concentration if you're kind of, uh, uh, kind of lighthearted about it. <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe maybe it's really maybe you can be really serious in a certain sense, really intent, really see this as extremely important and significant. Be highly motivated to get concentrated, to develop concentration, but without any sense of heaviness or grimness or you know, like you know, got to do it. Uh, you can be very light about it. Serious and light at the same time is a nice way. Um, and then uh, also want to say underscore to. Uh, Nine parts out of the ten things you need to do to develop concentration, nine parts, say whatever, nine parts of concentration is patience. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> now, m- maybe it would be more useful to have a five-week class on patience as a, as, a, you know, as a way of getting concentrated. But just to tell you, patience is really essential. And if you're getting impatient, lighten up. Mm-hmm. It's a sign that maybe you get taken too seriously. Just lighten up. And it takes a lot of patience uh, in order to work with the mind and develop really, really important uh, skills, spiritual skills, is uh, learning to listen to silence. So if you could turn that up, the silence up, please. <laughs> yeah, really loud. <laughs> is that any better? Okay. Did anybody memorize the Metta Sutta this week? Would you li- so you'd like to volunteer to recite it? One of you? or You, you would like to try? Okay, please. Oh, it, may, maybe if you don't mind using this. And, uh, and the, the, the way to use it, those of you use this, is you hold it um, kind of vertically this way. Because somehow that goes into the, the microphone better than this. And, uh, and the reason to use it is primarily for the people who have hearing assistant devices. And also other people, to everybody here. But, but um, there are some people who wouldn't hear otherwise. Metta Sutta. To reach the state of peace, one skilled in the good should be capable and upright, straightforward and easy to speak to, Gentle and not proud. Contented and easily supported. Living lightly and with few duties. Wise and with senses calmed. Not arrogant and without greed for supporters. And should not do the least thing that the wise would criticize. One should reflect May all be happy and secure. May all beings be happy of heart. All living beings, whether weak or strong, tall, large, medium or short, tiny or big, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or to be born, may they all be happy. Let no one deceive another or despise anyone anywhere. Let no one, through anger or aversion, wish for anyone to suffer. As a mother would risk her own life to rescue her child, her only child, So toward all beings should one cultivate a boundless heart with loving kindness for the whole world should one cultivate a boundless heart without obstruction, without hate, and without ill will. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down, whenever one is awake, may one remember this recollection. This is called a sublime abiding, here and now. One who is virtuous, endowed with vision, not taken by views, and having overcome all greed for sensual pleasure, will not be reborn again. (laughs) keep, Keep the mic for a moment. And uh, did you learn anything about your mind and how it works in memorizing that? 
Well, I learned I need to tie those various lines together. What did it require mentally of you to hold that in the mind, to learn that in the mind, to bring it into the mind so it stays there? Well, I really had to focus on each line and uh-huh. then figure out how to tie them together so mm-hmm. I wouldn't forget. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Anybody else has any comments about what they learned about their mind, how they use their mind in order to develop, uh, memorize uh, a text like this? Someone over here? Said something? Behind? No? Anybody want to say anything? <laughs> what it took? I'm not particularly good with uh, concentration. So for me, it just takes sheer repetition. So repetition. And so I tape it. I make a tape of it, uh-huh. and then I play it in the car mm-hmm. over and over and over, and then I start saying it with the tape, and then I get to where I can say it without the tape, and then I just keep saying it over and over and over, 500 times. Yeah. So nine parts patience, repetition. <laughs> Perseverance. Perseverance. Mm-hmm. Over here. I decided to take it slowly, and so I found out if I do about three lines a day, then it sticks. And I, it's true, you have to tie it together. You have to tie the last line with the next first line. But I did find as the week went by, it got easier. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't take as many, it didn't take 500 repetitions. Maybe it only took, you know, 50. Mm-hmm. But um, and I also found there's a great pleasure in memorizing something mm-hmm. which I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Can you speak more about that pleasure? Um, well, I actually began to experience it in Shyla Catherine's Udana class mm-hmm. because she asks us to memorize a shorter verse, usually four to eight lines. And um, just as you said the last time, I found that what I had memorized would pop up in some appropriate situation, and I could. I'll never forget the ones I've memorized because they apply so well. And I expect the same will happen with this one. And certainly when I first began memorizing it, I began to think, well, you know, you could aspire to be this way. It's not just a lovely description. It could be an aspiration. And so it does work down through levels. And there is something, I don't know what the magic about memorizing is, but it does become a part of your thinking rather than just a rote peace. It begins to sort of inform your, your thinking. And, um, and in that way, I could sense it could inform your behavior also. Beautiful. Thank so you. I think we should be careful what we memorize. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments about Halloween in the back? Straight back. I found it easy if I wrote it out over and over again, and I found that my visual memory um, is a little easier for me to do it visually than mm-hmm. um, mentally, you know, where it's, what's spoken. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was very an enjoyable mm-hmm. experience. Great. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked us to memorize this. Um, 
with my 63-year-old brain, I have thought for a while I couldn't do this anymore. And I've, I've gotten to the place where I factor in stupid time, you know, for what I can't do cognitively that I used to be able to do. And I was utterly amazed that I could do this. And uh, so that was very, very wonderful. Um, at, at the way that it worked for me was I, f I found that I could uh, remember what the words looked like on the line. Mm -hmm. And as I walked or ran or uh, just, you know, did daily things, I would repeat and just did it stanza by stanza. Mm -hmm. okay. And it made sense. I mean, I, I would memorize, because, uh, be able to memorize because certain things fit together. Like, well, if I lived lightly and had few duties, maybe I would be wise, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So thank you for the assignment. Okay. Thank you. So those are, uh, did you notice that, um, a little bit loud now, did you, did you, did you notice that um, you needed to be somewhat intent in order to memorize? There had to be some intentness in the mind? Did you notice that? Did you notice that there had to be perseverance to memorize? Anybody memorize without some degree of perseverance? Did you notice that there had to be effort? Did you have to make effort? Did you notice that um, uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit different than perseverance, that you, you had to kind of apply yourself first to what you were going to do to the phrases, and then you had to somehow, you know, or bring the phrase up, and then somehow hold it. There had to be some kind of sense of holding in the mind. You're going to hold this here, the part of the focus. Does that make sense? The word holding, hold it there, because what would the mind do on its own if you weren't what? It would go off. So, so there's different. These are kind of mental, different mental factors that come into play when you are trying to memorize something. These same factors need to come into play when you develop do, do concentration practice. Some people are somewhat passive about concentration, thinking, "Oh, I just sit back and if I just kind of kind of focus in some abstract, kind of vague way, I'll, somehow it'll happen." But uh, these different qualities of the mind somehow have to be aroused. And so there's an arousing of the mind, an alert, alerting of the mind, arousing and energizing of the mind, different factors of the mind that are required to get concentrated. So there has to be effort. Without effort, there's, you're probably not going to get concentrated. There has to be perseverance. There has to be um, intent. You have to be intent. A part, maybe, maybe it's a little bit different than intent, maybe not. There also, I think, has to be some sense of desire. You have to want to do this. Uh, did you feel that wanting to memorize was a useful thing to have when you were trying to memorize? Did any of you really not want to? It would be good if someone said that. So you said you didn't want to. Now, in, in not wanting to, do you think that made it harder to do it? Yeah. That, that was like a, like a little obstacle, like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah, it made it harder. Made it harder. Yeah. Do you find that too? Made it harder? Yeah. <laughs> so there, I think it really helps if you want to do it. If you have a desire. Uh, desire. Having the desire and wanting to do it doesn't mean you're, you're good at it. But there has to, I mean, it really helps to have the desire. Yes, I want to do this. And that's a little bit different than the message that some uh, 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 Buddhists receive, Buddhist teachers sometimes uh, give, where where you think, oh, you're not supposed to have desire. 
if you're a Buddhist practitioner, desires the problem somehow. And somehow you're supposed to do this without having any desire. Um, but desire is actually a very important part of the path, but you need to have the appropriate desire. And one of the, you know, healthy desire. And, and but the desire to get concentrated can be healthy. Now, sometimes the desire for getting concentrated is mixed up with ego and ambition and you know, escapism and other things, so then it's not healthy. But uh, there needs to be some kind of desire. Okay, this I want to, I want to do this. And hopefully it's open-ended without demand or expectation. Yeah, I really want to do this. And desire can be inspiring. And you know, oh yes, it gives energy. And then there has to be the applic- applying of attention to whatever you're going to do, to the object of concentration. And then you have to hold your attention there. That be, or I like the expression, hang in there. You've got to hang in there with it. Just like you have to hold those phrases, or hold your mind engaged with the memorizing so it doesn't drift off. So there's this arousing, energizing aspect of practice. At the same time, there also has to be a relaxation. Arousing or energizing without some relaxation will just probably get you agitated. If you only practice relaxation, you probably go to sleep. And you won't develop the clarity, you won't actually develop the power of concentration that's available. And so uh, um, relaxation and engagement and effort have to be kind of balanced and work together. And part of what a, uh, a person who's developing concentration and doing is monitoring themselves, monitoring their subjective experience, monitoring what's going on within them as they do this practice, and then beginning to some degree adjusting them so that they become more favorable, more helpful for the process of getting, concentrating, getting concentrated. If you really don't want to get concentrated, there's lack of desire for it, then maybe you need to look at that and work that a little bit inspire yourself uh, in some different ways, try to figure out why the lack of desire is there, and see if you can find out some way that you feel inspired and you really want to do this. If there isn't the intent, what gets in the way of that? If there, um, uh, um, is is the factor of perseverance adequate, or patience, or is is the effort, uh, a good effort or continuous effort, what, what is going on in the mind and can you arouse something and engage yourself more actively? And maybe in the same way you have to engage yourself, you really want to try to memorize something. So, so part of developing concentration practice is developing the ability to monitor your subjective state. Monitor the different qualities and aspects of your mind and your, your mental, mental factors. And uh, a little bit I'll try to explain what some of those are. And, and a lot of it will be that as you develop concentration, you begin, part of what you do is you begin learning and studying what is going on here? What's going on in my own mind here? Uh, in my own inner life? And how can I bring, align that so that it helps me to get more concentrated, helps develop concentration? Um, now, this is very important because some people, when they try to develop meditation practice or concentration practice, leave out the self-monitoring aspect. And they just kind of hold their, their, their attention on the breath and the mind goes away, they hold their breath. And it's kind of like, maybe almost like, like brute force. So it's kind of, kind of mechanical thinking or magical thinking. If I just kind of lock myself on the breath, everything else will follow. And occasionally that can be the case. But, um, but I think more realistically, you want to be able to have this monitoring where you're watching and seeing. And then as it becomes more second nature to monitor yourself and know this, it's like riding a bicycle. And after a while, you can do it without your hands because you, you, know, you know all the things. You know, you can kind of, you know, you don't have to think about riding a bicycle anymore because you've figured it all out. It's kind of in your body. 
And then at some point, um, you can actually drop. As, as the concentration builds, builds up, you drop some of the things. You might even drop the monitoring at some point. Um, but initially, when you first begin, you've got to kind of be engaged in the process of developing concentration. And you want to engage as much of, your, of who you are, much of your capacities as you can in this process. How can I engage in this in a way that's helpful? And some of the engagement is relaxing certain things, and the other part of the engagement is arousing certain factors. Um, so monitoring yourself, engaging, adjusting a little bit what's going on is part of the process. Um, so in a few minutes, I'd like us to do a meditation practice. And I'd like to convey one more um, concentration teaching. And I'll, I'll do this with a little bit of the, I don't know if it's a word play, but a little bit of the richness of the English word concentration, to concentrate. One of the meanings of concentration is we take uh, a liquid, for example, uh, like orange juice. You can concentrate it. You can, get by, you can buy concentrated orange juice, right? For, and it's, a, lot, a lot of the water is taken out. And it's really the essence, the, the juice, the flavor, and sweetness is really concentrated. And, um, and then in order to drink it, you add water and dilute it again. So part of concentration is to, is to, um, is to condense something, to concentrate a fluid to its essence, essential qualities. One of the ways this is done in Buddhist idea of concentration is through a word called seclusion. It's a very important word in Buddhism for developing concentration. Is that the concentrated mind is a mind that is secluded. A mind usually when we talk about mindfulness, we talk about a mind which is inclusive, that's open, expansive, that includes everything, so ready to be, be attentive to everything. A mind that's developing concentration is a mind that's developing a certain degree of seclusion from all the different sensor, sensory input and all the different activities of the mind that can normally go on. So, a um, uh, little bit it's done physically, if you can, where you, tr- you go into a room and close the door so you don't hear a lot of the noises around you. Or you go someplace where it's quiet, so you don't have a lot of uh, auditory Im- impact coming in. Some people like to close their eyes when they meditate so you don't get a lot of visual input coming in. So you're secluding your visual field a little bit. Um, some people uh, like to just meditate in a, in a room in a, where, or a situation where the temperature is not too hot, not too cold, so that the temperature doesn't kind of create sensations in your body. Um, so there's some, some attempt to kind of, kind of limit the amount of sensory input coming in so that, so that the mind is not going out in all kinds of directions. And another, so another way of saying that is, is, is you're trying, beginning to seclude yourself from everything else so that your attention, your concentration, your mental monitoring engagement is getting concentrated, getting condensed. So you're not diminishing yourself in the sense that you're becoming less of who you are, but in a sense you're allowing yourself to become more concentrated, more condensed who you are. The essence of who you are, the fullness of yourself is not being diluted by all the different places the mind can go and uh, s- scattered and engaged in all these different th- things. But it's beginning to getting concentrate so we get more the essence of who we are, fullness of who we are. One of the ways of seclusion 
is we begin secluding the mind or separating the mind from a lot of its normal thinking, everyday kind of thinking. And this is a very important to understand that this is essential in order to develop concentration. If you sit down to meditate and are still really motivated, consciously or unconsciously, to solve your life's problems by thinking them out, you might, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll be successful this particular sitting. <laughs> Finally get it. And so that's good. But uh, you're not going to get concentrated. If you want to develop concentration, if that's what you want to do, you have to be willing to, or at least be interested, to feel like have the intention, have the desire, have the wisdom to, to let go of your concern your with thinking about problems, thinking about life, thinking about things, anything else but what you're doing at that moment. So no matter how important it might seem to you, you don't, you, you think, realize right now this is not the time and place for thinking about things which are not having to do with meditation practice. Now that's in some ways quite obvious, but it's not obvious to the little mind. And the mind is very thinks that it's really important to think about things. So, so, but if you kind of get it, kind of grok the idea that that's not what you're, what you're doing here, that's not the purpose of what you're doing here, then maybe you're more willing to temporarily put those things on hold to seclude your mind from those kinds of mental uh, considerations and thoughts. A lot of people are not going to be very successful at first at secluding their mind from all the different thoughts that we're thinking about. That's okay. A really important part of developing concentration practice is learning to let go of our thoughts. Okay, I'll let go. And even if you can just let go for a half a second before the things can come back, that you're still exercising that muscle of letting go. And the more you can exercise it, in a sense, the stronger the muscle gets, and the more and the more and the softer that muscle gets, so it gets easier and easier to do it. And eventually, you'll find it easier and easier. And as other factors, other kind of the mental factors that support concentration get stronger, they'll all work together to help you develop samadhi. So one of the things we're doing is secluding, but not to li- not to diminish who we are, but actually feeling of condensing who we are. Condensing means in my mind also that it's, it's, everything's included still. So there's a feeling of, when the comp- I, t- I translated samadhi last week as composure, is we really want to be composed on ourselves the best we can. So in the initial stages of developing concentration, we still have a kind of full, open awareness of, of our physical and mental world. But we're not interested in the world outside of that. So there's kind of an alertness to monitoring what's going on, to feeling what's going on, to take in what's going on. So secluding the mind, being willing to seclude. Another word, another way of saying the word seclusion, the Pali word is um, viveka, and um, a word that works a little bit better in American culture that would inspire us better and feel like, well, that's right. Then it feels right. Seclusion. People have a little bit. Wait a minute. What is this seclusion thing? You know, denying stuff. Is it repression? Is it like? turning away from the world or something. Another way that's maybe more American is uh, rather than calling it secluding the mind or seclusion, we call it independence. (laughs) We're helping the mind to become independent from um, its preoccupation with the world and sounds and things around there. 
And as the mind gets more concentrated, then there's a natural process of that seclusion uh, uh, getting stronger and stronger. So strong that people in strong states of concentration sometimes um, won't really hear anything around them. That, you know, the sounds around them are really not really being registered because they're so secluded, because the concentration is so focused. A lot of ideas. It's okay so far? So if you'd like to stand for a minute and stretch, and then we'll do a sitting.